So these are the, like the first real pair of dress shoes I ever bought. They're a pair of Bollies. I got them on sale at Banks. In, uh, um, well, Banks no longer exist, so I think they even still fit. They're kind of a little bit tight, but they like, I think I might go, that's a little bit, I feel like a wagon with a square wheel. At any rate, I have those in here, and I have these other shoes. Okay, so like these are my latest version of, of Jesus uh, Birkenstock shoes, you know, and those go on really easy. Those are really super, I kind of like that look a little bit. I did, I got a new pair of shoes this last week, but they were too big. I got a pair of uh, Chuck Taylor's high tops. They're purple. But they're a little bit too big. I had to send them back. And then here's another pair of sandals. These are Keens, and those are kind of cool. And then these, these are kind of my favorite, just knocking around, put on a pair of jeans, come to work kind of shoes. These shoes are the shoes that I walked um, um, a thousand kilometers in, um, and they kind of look like it and might even smell like it if you want to give that one a go. Don't smell it, really. I'm joking. And then, of course, you have um, uh, very important. These are my favorite pair of shoes, okay? They also have a little bit of color to them. I found them on stale, okay, like, Original price point on these Cole Hans is like 400 bones. I found them on sale for 70 bucks. They're a half a size too big, but at that price, I mean these, I love these things, the green, the red, everything about them. Then we also have, of course, um, another one of those. I have running shoes, and those are kind of cool. And then these are my workout shoes, and um, I won't throw these out because those really smell reprehensible. And then, of course, um, being an individual that likes to do some things, these are my uh, Red Wing 877s. They're a little bit dusty right now because I haven't worn them since the summer, late fall. And, um, but these, I mean, if you want work boots, these are the ticket. These are just absolutely wonderful. And then, of course, this time of the year, you need boots for snowshoeing and walking around outside. And then, of course, if you're really getting in a cold thing, then you got your bogs or your mucks or something like that. And those just go like, kind of like this. So then, over here, we have uh, shoes for special occasions. These aren't mine. I'm kidding. It's a joke. So, and then we also have some uh, other things here. What else? Oh, these little guys. Okay, check out these things, okay? These are the most expensive shoes on the stage today. Mr. Blonick made these for my wife. And the engineering, I mean, honestly, this is like rocket science. Making something this durable, this small, this light, this whatever, it's really quite, at any rate, so we'll just be very careful of those. And no, you can't have those, and I'm not going to throw them out. Okay, enough of that. Let's get on to our text today. Where are we? Are they footwear or are they footwear? Foot, W-E-A-R, footwear, or is it footwear, W-R-E? Now, I know it's something that you wear on your feet, so that would be wear, but also they're wears, so it could be footwear. Where is the footwear that I want to wear? Let's get into Philippians 3, 9 starting eight for context. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Memory verse from last week, remember? Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. Count them as rubbish. Remember the composting idea? In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. And I'm going to give you an easy memory verse this week. Just that phrase, be found in him. Be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, 
becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Have you ever gone on an interstate? Okay. The second question is, have you ever been on an intrastate? Okay. So we know an interstate is a road that goes between states. Okay. So like I-94, I-90. Later today, uh, a couple of friends of mine and their kids are going to jump on I-94 and, and, and blitz out west, right? Interstate travel. Okay. We're not talking about interstate travel or interstate connections. We're talking about an intrastate connection. being found in him. A lot of times, we we approach this thing called faith and life in Christ, okay, and we approach it kind of like a boot that we don't ever put on, okay? Imagine that this uh, bog boot is actually Jesus, and we think of our faith walk as Jesus being alongside of me. Got my little Jesus right here. But that's not what the text is arguing for. What the text is arguing for is being found in Christ. And that's a radically different idea. Because if you have this boot next to you and you walk outside today, it does you very little good. But if you are found in the boot... Then you experience all the benefits, all the opportunities, all the protection, all the safety being found in him. It's intrastate. It's not interstate. It's not Jesus next to us. It's us being found in him. A unique location. It becomes challenging, and I get it. Because typically when we want to find a place, when we want to go to some place, we whip out our smartphones, we ask Google to guide us. And if you put in the destination Jesus interior, there's not a precise map that Google gives us. But again, it's not something external. It's not wanting Christ out there, even close to me. It's not having my little buddy sit right next to me. It's my foot in the shoe. And I get it, it breaks down, right? Because we like to go barefoot in the summertime. But maybe not this time of the year. This time of the year, you kind of want to be found in your shoes or your ski boots or your skates. We want to be found in him. Not having a righteousness, righteousness, a key term here, and, and, and it's most easy to understand, it is the state of being right. Where's my other shoe? Because I just can't do the wagon with the square wheel bit. Righteousness is just simply a state of being right. Theologically, it becomes being right with God, which if you would choose to accept a Christian worldview becomes critically important. If you don't accept a Christian worldview, that's a different discussion beyond the scope of our time here today. Being righteous or righteousness is not simply doing right or doing the right thing, although doing the right thing is important. In fact, what most people will experience when they bump up against you or me is whether or not we are doing what is right. 
So if you're a grumpy old curmudgeon and call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, people will bump up to you and your grumpy curmudgeonness, and they'll make a determination and say something along the lines of, you know, I know that person says they're a follower of Christ, but they sure seem grumpy. So why would I want that? So doing right is important, but that's not what the text is talking about. In fact, doing right is so tempting. It's so tempting to make that the standard. But again, through the whole theme of this chapter, Paul's saying not so fast. It's not simply doing right, it is being right. And not being right as in I'm right because I'm smarter than you and I know more than you. But being in my being, being right with God. I am five by five with God. The standard isn't what our external behavior is for Paul. You can look externally a certain way, Paul argues, and not be right with God. How do I know that I am right with God? When it is so tempting to think that if I just do right, I'm a good guy, right? That's the good guy defense. We still hear it, right? Why are you going to heaven? I'm not going to heaven because I'm a good guy. No, that's not the standard. Being good is important. Doing right is very important. But that's not being right with God. It's kind of like a tree that looks right on the outside, okay? But, but inside, the ants have been going crazy, and the inside of the tree is absolutely rotten. The tree looks right, but it's not, or an avocado, okay? And I know there's a bit of a feel thing here, so you should never probably buy a spoiled avocado, but, but, but subtract the feel thing. You can look at an avocado, and you'd be like, man, that's a good-looking avocado. Slice it open, and it's all brown and gushy and gross inside. Or my pickup truck. Fender covers on a 196,000 Chevrolet pickup truck. Fender covers look so nice. They look right on the outside, right? But what are they covering up? Yeah, decay, rust, less than the state that it should be found. So we can look right on the outside. We can do right on the outside. We can be like a tree that has nothing but decay in the middle. So how do we start on the correct foot? See what I just did there? The right foot, left foot, foot, feet, shoes. I mean, it's just like all integrated. When this came together this week, I'm like, I'm so happy. This is going to be a lot of fun for people. Starting on the right foot means at the start, right away, things are going in the right direction. If you start a relationship on the right foot, it means that, that from, from day one, there was just something that it just synced up and it just worked and it worked and it worked and it worked. So if we want to start on the correct foot, because if you're left-footed, maybe you start with your left foot rather than your right foot, but it would still be the correct foot. How am I right with God? Am I right with God because of what I'm able to do? We kind of tore that one apart just two seconds ago. But that's not being right, that's being self-righteous. And to be sure, that is a sin, that is a capacity that we as humans have in spades. It is so easy to be confident. It is so easy to be self-righteous. It is so easy to think my behavior is correct. The world is against me. External people are the problem. Man, do we see this in men and women. 
We're not right with God because of what we can do. That's self-righteousness. If you want to check how self-righteous we are, just, just ask your own heart. When was the last time you asked someone to speak truthfully about what they saw in your life? When was the last time I asked truthfully, okay, what do you see in my life? Do you see self-righteous behavior? Because if that exists, we should want to cut that out. How am I right with God? Ability to follow the law? Paul's historical righteousness? Yeah, that doesn't work. Paul's ripping that apart in all of chapter 3. How am I right with God? Being found in Christ. Paul's current and eternal billet. I am right with God. You are right with God when we trust God to do what God says he will do. And God says, I will make those who are identified with my son to be found in the right state. And here's what it means to be right with God. To to listen to God, to trust him. Because this is a metaphysical concept, right? It's easy to say, okay, I'm going to put on this boot and I can be found in this boot, right? It's easy to do that. We physically can do that. How do we physically... We don't have a physical Jesus that we put on, right, or step into. And so this is a metaphysical concept, right? But but, but how do we accomplish that? How do we on a daily basis put ourselves so that we are found in him like we would find a foot inside of a boat? And part of that mystery is trusting God, asking God, I want to be found in Christ. I want to listen to your instructions, your wisdom, your advice, your commands. Frame it any way you want to frame it. But if we aren't framing it with God, we're building something that will not last. Or or it's like walking 12 miles today barefoot. Okay, I could walk 12 miles like this. I wouldn't get 12 miles barefoot without profound damage to my body. And yet we try to do life without being in Christ. Not being in Christ is like walking 12 miles barefoot today. We might start, but our own effort is only going to end with profound disappointment and frostbite. Starting on the right foot, starting on the left foot, starting on the correct foot, is starting this thing called righteousness in the right way, and it's anchored in us being in Christ. The text goes on, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection like that a lot. We talked about this on Wednesday night in Eric's class. And may share his sufferings, not as interested, becoming like him in his death. No thank you. These have to be mutually exclusive, right? We don't have to take all of this, do we? I mean, don't we want to see resurrection of power? Yes, I want to know the power of the resurrection. Resurrection power. I had this guy that I once worked for, the power of the resurrection. You have resurrection power. Not quite as interested in sharing in his sufferings. The power of the resurrection. The power that was displayed in Jesus Christ when the Spirit raised Christ from the dead. We want to stop at the power of the resurrection. And we think everything else after that should be white picket fences and daisies. And Paul is saying, not so fast. 
Paul is arguing for resurrection power to share and endure and be like Jesus. Share in his sufferings. Again, we talked about this on Wednesday night. Paul might have a view here towards an undercurrent in the early church that if you were suffering, God was punishing you. And Paul's like, no, 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 (laughs) no. No, you share in the sufferings of Christ if you're going to be found in Christ. And ultimately, become like him in death. We want to pick and choose. We want to take the resurrection power. We want to take all of the promise of that. We want to take how that makes us feel good, and we want to start stop there. Sharon is sufferings. Why should I have to suffer? I'm a United States citizen, for God's sake. That's crazy talk. Why should I have to die? Why should I have to die? What did Christ die to? Died to his will. What did Christ die for? Our sins. Why should I have to die to what I want? I know I've told this story before. A guy that I used to work with down in Prior Lake, a friend of his came in and, 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 and having, uh, having troubles in their marriage, and so he wanted some help, and so he sat down with his friend, and he just, he just ran out the list of all the stuff that he had done to save his marriage, to save his family, to save, and it was an impressive list. This guy was, this guy, this guy was doing the right things. I mean, he was, he was, and he's like, I've done everything. I don't know what else to do. We're going to get a divorce. I'm just, I'm walking away. I'm done. End of story. And my buddy's like, looks at him, like dead in the eyes, like, you've done everything. Yep, I've done everything. My buddy's like, no, you haven't. And the guy looked at him like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're still breathing. Yikes. The guy hadn't died to himself. Maybe the guy had wanted the power of the resurrection. Maybe the guy had even shared in the sufferings of Christ. And, and I get it, man. I get it. I've talked with enough friends that when things are south in a relationship, I mean, I've, I've, I've had close friendships, and when things are south in a relationship, man, there, it seems like there's nothing that can resolve that. I can't imagine what that would be like in a marriage context. The power of the resurrection, share in his suffering, become like him in death. Have we died to our will? Have we died to what we want? Because until we've died, we haven't done everything. The last verse, verse 11. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in death. Verse 11. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Be like Christ. The, the, the cruciform life, the cross-shaped life. Me in Christ. I want to be found wearing Christ. And so I ask the most important questions that revolve around a consistent theme at Timberwood Church. Where am I? Where are you? Where are we? 
Paul says, I want to do everything to achieve this. I will make every step necessary to get to this point. By any means possible. I don't know how many shoes you have in your house. I obviously have a lot of shoes. Um, my shoes are outnumbered by at least two to one by someone else in my house. Maybe three to one. I think you could make three to one, but I have a lot of shoes. I would be the first to admit that. I think that's fetching. I'm willing to bet this week you're going to put on a pair of shoes. I'm willing to bet that some of you make your living not only with your brains but with your body and you'll be putting on work boots and you'll be putting on warm, warm boots. And I'm willing to bet some of us will be uh, hanging out at home and so the, the most favorite thing that we can do is put on a pair of slippers. I love slippers in the morning. Or maybe we'll be in an office place, right? And you'll put on a pair of shoes, right, that are suitable for that environment. I'm going to challenge you, not, not in an out loud, embarrassing way, but I'm going to challenge you in, in, in like 30 seconds. And I'm going to ask you to say something to yourself Better yet, I'm going to ask you to say it to the Holy Spirit. If it's out loud, that's fine. If it's just in your heart, that's fine. But I only want you to say it if you mean it. I, I only want to say it if I mean it. And if you don't mean it, don't say it. Please don't say it for the person sitting next to you. Don't say it because you somehow think it's the right thing to say. Only say it if you truly mean it in the core of your being, if you want to be found in Christ. Paul says, any means possible, any means possible to attain the resurrection from the dead. And so if you can say this, say it to yourself. I want, I want to be found in him. And I want to attain the resurrection from the dead. Please pray with me. Father, I love to be in this place and I love to be in your word and I love to think and to live in a way. And I know at times, Father, I disappoint you horribly. And I know that you forgive me because I ask for forgiveness. And I know that's true for my friends here too. That at times we don't do the right things and we don't say the right things. And that if we ask, we are forgiven. But with that in the rearview mirror, Father... Let us think about being righteous. 
let us think about being in Jesus Christ. Let us think about attaining the resurrection. Let us think about suffering and death. And let us be drawn to your Son with all that we are. In Him. In Jesus' name, amen.